used to bury the dead, you know, to, to put the, the dead body in, in the tomb. So that's kind of that's where we are in, in the Gospel of Mark. You know, we looked at Jesus' crucifixion. We're going to look at his burial today. And then next Sunday, before summer camp weekend, we're going to finish the Gospel of Mark. So make sure you guys come back. Okay, because we are going to finish the Gospel of Mark next Sunday. And we are going to talk about Jesus' resurrection. Okay? And I was looking at, at, at all of my sermons, you know, from Mark. And I think, I think this is number 55. And then next Sunday, the last one is number 56. So that's just exciting for, for our ministry uh, to finish uh, a gospel show. So look at Mark chapter 15. Okay? And we are going to look at this next story. Okay, Jesus' burial. Starting in verse 40 all the way to verse 47. So that's the, the section of Jesus' burial. Okay, you have resurrection, burial, and 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 resurrection. So, but here's here's... Here's what I want to ask you guys to do, okay? Follow as I read this story, and I want you guys to really pay close attention to, to the characters in the story that Mark is going to introduce to you, and where he puts them in the story, and the flow of the story, okay? So I'm going to read it to you, and just listen to my voice, look at your Bible, and just pay attention to those things. Who are the characters? Where are they in the story, and how does it flow? Okay, because that is where we're going to find um, the lesson from the story. Okay, I want you guys to start thinking that way. I think I think I've, I, you know, you guys have, have been uh, getting that training through the Gospel of Mark. What what is what is the story about? Well, it's about the the crucifixion of Jesus. Well, what is the lesson from that story? Now that's the harder question. Okay. The story here, I don't have to read it. You guys know already that the story is about the burial of Jesus. But you need to know what the lesson is from Mark about the story of the burial of Jesus. Does that, does that make sense? Okay. What is the story about? Well, it's simple. It's right there. Well, what is the lesson that the author, Mark himself, is trying to teach us from that story? Okay. So, so follow as I, I read this story about Jesus' burial starting in verse 40. There were also some women looking from a distance, among whom were Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and the, uh, James the last and Joseph and Salome, or Salome. When he was in Galilee, they used to follow him and minister to him, and there were many other women who came up with him to Jerusalem. When evening had already come, because it was the preparation day, that is, the day before the Sabbath, Joseph of Arimathea came, a prominent member of the council, who himself was waiting for the kingdom of God. And he gathered up courage and went in before Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Pilate wondered if he was dead by this time, and summoning the centurion, he questioned him as to whether he was already dead. And ascertaining this from the centurion, he granted the body to Joseph. Joseph bought a linen cloth, took him down, wrapped him in the linen cloth, and laid him in a tomb which had been hewn out in the rock. And he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, were looking on to see where he was laid. Okay? So that's the story. Okay. 
Very simple question. Okay, what is the story about? Yeah. Jesus being buried. Everybody agree? Pretty simple, right? Okay. This next question is harder. What do you think is the lesson that Mark is teaching us from the story? Yes. To bury people? Not so much. Yes. To have Christian courage. Okay? To have Christian courage. Okay? Look at look at verse 43. Okay? If you if there's if there's one verse that captures the lesson from the story, it's here in verse 43. Okay? Joseph of Arimathea, and again, he was placed between the women. Right? The women show up. They kind of stay behind the background. Here comes Joseph of Arimathea. He does something that's that's worthy of praise. And then the women come back at the end of the story. Okay, so, so the women sandwich um, Joseph of Arimathea. So you focus on Joseph of Arimathea. And, and there goes the lesson. Look at verse 43. He gathered... He agrees. Pretty simple, right? Okay. This next question is harder. What do you think is the lesson that Mark is teaching us from the story? Yes. To bury people? Not so much. Yes. To have Christian courage. Okay? To have Christian courage. Okay? Look at, look at verse 43. Okay? If, you, if, there's, if there's one verse that captures the lesson from the story, it's here in verse 43, okay? Joseph of Arimathea, and again, he was placed between the women, right? The women show up. They kind of stay behind the background. Here comes Joseph of Arimathea. He does something that's, that's worthy of praise, and then the women come back at the end of the story. Okay, so, so the women sandwich um, Joseph Arimathea. So you focus on Joseph of Arimathea, and, and there goes the lesson. Look at verse 43. He gathered up what? Courage. And did the thing that the women did not have the courage to do. Okay, you guys see that? Okay. So that is the lesson that Mark is teaching us from the story. Mark is teaching us about courage, okay, Christian courage. Now, here's the next question. Before we look at the story, how would you define courage? How would you define courage? Someone who, hey, Grace. Or say. Yeah. How about... Christian courage, because, you know, like, I don't want to confuse this with the word that we use today of boldness, right? It's like, oh, you know, just, that guy, man, in my class, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a senior in my class. He's so bold, you know, he's just like, who wants, who wants to jump, jump uh, from the trampoline without netting? And he just volunteers. He's just bold. He's just a bold guy, you know. Who wants to, um, you know, spray this this can and put a lighter in front of it. And he volunteers, just bold guy. You know, that's not what we're talking about, okay? We're talking about Christian courage. So, yes, well, how would you define Christian courage? Not being afraid, but following God in faith. 
There you go. Yeah, to, to obey God, okay, at all costs. So, so if you can even simplify that, that, term, uh, that definition of Christian courage, it's that. To obey God at all costs. That's Christian courage. There's a lot of bold young people today, but, but they do dumb things and stupid things. But there's not a lot of young, Christian, courageous people. Okay? Courage is to obey God at all costs. Okay? And, and you guys know there, there are many examples of courageous pe- people in the Bible. You've heard of Joshua. Right? You've heard of Daniel right? and his friends. You've heard of Esther. Right? You've heard of uh, Naomi, right? All of those people are great examples of Christian courage in the Bible. But Mark here is going to introduce us to someone in, in this story of Jesus' burial, uh, whom you've probably never heard before, right? His name is Joseph, Joseph of Arimathea. And Mark is going to use him as an example uh, of courageous faith, of Christian courage, and that that's where the lesson is, and that's where you need to pay attention to, and that's, and that's really where you need to follow the example of, of Joseph. Is it making sense? That's kind of the big picture, okay? What is the story about? Well, it's about the crucifixion of Jesus. Well, what's the lesson from that? Okay, what's the story about? Jesus' burial. Okay, well, what's the lesson? What's the story about? Well, Jesus' resurrection. Okay, what's the lesson from that? Okay. You will notice if you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and they write almost, uh, almost everything similarly because they are talking about the same one story, but, but all four of them have different what? Lessons from that same story. Okay? Making sense so far? All right. So, so again, Christian courage, okay? So the, here's the outline. Two courageous actions that prove faith in Jesus. Two courageous actions that prove faith in Jesus. Here's, here's the first one. Doing what is right. Okay, doing what is right despite the opposition. Okay, doing what is right despite the opposition. Look at what happens uh, after Jesus died on the cross. Okay, look at verse 40. This is after Jesus breathe his last on the cross. Verse 40, There were also some women looking on from a distance, among whom were Mary Magdalene, and Mary the mother of James the Less, and Joseph, and Salome. So three women. Okay, three women. Now, who should you have expected to be there with Jesus, especially right after he died? Yeah. His mom, and, he, and, and she was there. Who else? Yes. His disciples, they're not there, right? Peter denied him three times hours ago. He's gone, right? The other, uh, 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 Judas, he's, he's gone. He's dead, right? And the, uh, the other ten, oh, they're, they've been gone since the garden, right? So the disciples should have been there. They should have been there. But Mark says there were three women present. The disciples, absent. Three women are present. So the first one is Mary Magdalene. Mary was a very common name. It'd be like in our youth group, like Rachel, like, you know, like there's four Rachels or something, right? So, so you, you, when you're introducing someone with a common name, you kind of have to tell your, your audience where that person's from. So they'd be like, oh, okay, Rachel from Israel. Okay, 
We know which Rachel, right? Rachel the homeschool. Oh, we know who that is. <laughs> right? So here, that's what Mark does, right? Mary Magdalene. Mary, who is from the village of Magdala. So they would know, okay, that's not Jesus' mother, Mary. That's a different Mary. Look at the second woman. Mary, the mother of James the Less, or James the Younger, is, is I think what it's referring to, the less. I don't think it's like less in height. I think it's less in age, right? So another common name, Mary. So which Mary is this? Well, this is the Mary, uh, the mother of James the Less, who, who is one of the 12 disciples, and Joseph. Joseph, uh, we, don't, we don't know anything about Joseph, which is okay. But this is another Mary, okay? The mother of one of the 12 disciples, James the Less. Here's the third woman, Salome or Salome. This woman is the mother of James, a different James, okay? Not, not, the, not the James the Less, the son of Mary, but this is... This is uh, uh, Salome is the mother of James, a different James, and who's also one of the 12 disciples. Remember, there were two James in, in the 12 disciples. So this is the mother of the other one, and also the mother of John, right? James and John, this is their mom, Salome. So those are the three women present. Again, the disciples should have been there. They should have followed. They should have stayed all the way to the end, but they're gone. But these three women are present. Now, look at what they did. So that's the, those are their names. Now, now Mark is going to tell us what they did. Verse 41. When he, that's Jesus, was in Galilee, where he ministered before he went to Jerusalem, they, okay, the three women here, used to follow him and minister to him. And there were many other women who came up with him to Jerusalem. So these, these are very unique, very special women because because James said that they followed Jesus and they ministered to Jesus. Okay, that, that word follow is where we get the word for our word disciple, right? Which is another word for a learner. So, so they followed Jesus to learn from him, to learn God's word from his, from his teaching. So, so that's what they did. And also, secondly, they ministered to Jesus. Same word where we get our word deacon. Okay, if you go to the... Uh, church meeting later on after second service, we're going to affirm our deacons. What are deacons? Deacons are those who serve. Okay? So, so these women were disciples of Jesus because they wanted to learn from Jesus, and they ministered to Jesus, like how deacons serve the church today. So very unique, very special women to Jesus Christ. Okay? Now, Again, these women, okay, in verse 40 and verse 41, these women are not the main characters of the story. They are not. They are, they are more of the background story. Or back, yeah, background character of the story, okay? Because Mark puts him in the beginning, and then Mark puts him in the end, and then he puts the main character, Joseph, right in the middle, who will do something that is worthy of praise and and an example. So they're not, these women are not the main characters. They're, they're, they're kind of setting up the story. They're kind of setting up Joseph, okay? So before Mark brings Joseph, the main character, he's going to give us the, the context or the timing or, or, uh, or the kind of the setup of the, of the story. So look at verse 42. Verse 42. When evening had already come, 
because it was the preparation day. That is, okay, what's the preparation day? That is, which is the day before the Sabbath, okay? So let me ask you these questions. Again, this is very important. He's setting up the, the background before Joseph comes in. What did the Jews do on Sabbath? Yeah. Nothing. <laughs> they didn't do much. Okay? And Sabbath would be like our Saturday, yesterday. Okay? Not, not Sunday. Now, if the day before Sabbath was called the preparation day, what do you think then they prepared that day? If, okay, tomorrow's Sabbath. Okay? It's Saturday. It's tomorrow's Sabbath. We can't do anything. So today is called preparation day. So what should we be preparing for? Yes, in the back. Guess. Yeah, all the labors that they normally do, now they're going to do it double time because tomorrow they can't do it. Okay? Especially what? Preparing what? Yeah. Food, right? Preparing food. Finding twice the meat, cooking twice the vegetables, right? Spending probably all day doing that so that they would have food for, for, for the preparation day, Friday, and the next day, Saturday, Sabbath. Now, Okay, remember, they ended the day and started the day at what time? Not, not like we do today. We do it at midnight, right? What, what time did they do it back then? Six. Six what? Morning or at night? At night, right? Sunset. So, so they ended their day at sunset, so 6 p.m. about, and then they would start the next day. Okay, you guys following me? Right? So if Jesus died at what time? He was crucified at 9 o'clock in the morning. It got dark at, at the middle of the day, noon, and he died at, breathed his last at 3 p.m. Okay? So if, if the day is going to end at 6 p.m., and if Jesus died at 3 p.m., then how many hours did, do they have left to do all of the work before Sabbath starts? Three hours. Okay? Again, Mark is setting up the story here before comes enter the main character, Joseph. So three hours. You guys, you guys following me? Anyone confused? Because I'll make sure it's clear. Three hours before 6 p.m., okay? And after 6 p.m., it's Sabbath. Nothing. No work, right? So now here's the other question. Now guess what other important work that needed to be done other than preparing food? What other work? Yes, Pookie. Didn't they have like a lot of livestock? They did. Yeah, they would rest too. But they have three hours left before Sabbath. Other than preparing food, you know, taking care of the home, other stuff, traveling, other stuff. What other very important work for the Jews that they needed to do before Sabbath starts at 6 p.m.? Yes. Make their offerings. Yep. What else? Go to the temple and do that. Yes. Bury the dead. Right? Because by their Jewish laws, they, they don't like letting dead bodies hang on the cross overnight. So, see, now it's all coming together, right? This is not just about 
the burial of Jesus. It's about the lesson that you need to learn from Joseph. So, so Jesus' body needs to be taken down and given a proper burial. That's what needs to happen. There's three hours left, maybe, maybe even less, right? Because Jesus died at 3 p.m., uh, it would be unlikely that right after three, you know, Joseph wants to do this thing. Maybe it, maybe it was a little later. So, so maybe two, two hours would be a safe guesstimate of how much time that he has left to do all of these things. Now, who's going to do it, right? Who is going to do this work? Will Jesus' disciples come back and do it? No. Will his family show up and do it? No. Will these women do it? No. Sadly, no. One person is willing to do it, though. One person was bold and courageous enough to do it, and his name is Joseph. So here comes the main character. Okay, here comes the main story. Verse 43. Joseph of Arimathea came a prominent member of the council who himself was waiting for the kingdom of God. Stop right there, okay? Mark calls him Joseph of Arimathea. Was Joseph a common name, you think? Yeah, I mean, his, Jesus' dad was Joseph, right? So this is not his dad because this Joseph is uh, the Joseph who's from Arimathea, okay? Another village, another town, okay? Mark also says that he is a prominent member of the council. Now, what council do you think Mark is referring to that Joseph was a member of, a prominent member, maybe, you know, a VP, a CEO, or so, someone, you know, uh, up high, yes? Is it like the same one that Pilate was? Close, not with Pilate, not with, not with the Romans. Yes, then, yeah, the Sanhedrin, the Jewish religious leaders, okay, the, the scribes and the, the high priests, you know, all those guys, those, those, those people, so the Sanhedrin, so that's the council that Joseph is a member of. And, and so far, you've heard nothing but evil and wickedness from that group. They were the ones who were responsible for killing Jesus. Okay? So Mark says, yes, he's from Arimathea, but also he is a very prominent member of the Sanhedrin, the council, the evil and wicked council. Now, do you think he's just like them, evil and, and wicked? No. He's going to prove his faith with his courage that he's not like those guys, okay? Mark says, that, Mark says that he was waiting for the kingdom of God. It, technically, that simply means that he was a Christian, okay, a believer. He knew Jesus Christ is the king, and he, and he knows that he's here, and he knows that he's going to bring in his kingdom, and he's waiting for that. He's hoping for that. He, he's put his faith in that. So Joseph of Arimathea, even though, even though his background is sinful and wicked, even though I don't believe he participated in a lot of those things, uh, I believe he got saved later on, and he's been waiting for the kingdom of Jesus to come. So that's Joseph. Now, here's the question. Is he just pretending to be a Christian, you know, like we do today? Or 
can he really prove his faith in Jesus? Look at the second half of verse 43. This is the proof that he is a Christian. Verse 43, right in the middle. And he, Joseph, gathered up courage and went in before Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Now, the disciples weren't courageous enough to ask for Jesus' body. I mean, who's going to go up to Pilate, right? The Roman governor who kills criminals, who just killed Jesus, you know, with soldiers with him, who just released Barabbas. Who's going to go to him and ask for Jesus' body? The, the disciples weren't courageous enough to do that. His families weren't courageous enough to do that. These women are not courageous enough to do that. Okay, but Joseph was. He was willing to do the right thing despite the what? Opposition. Yes. Yes. Yeah, we don't know when he became a believer, but we know that that, 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 his, that, that that is his background. If you write down Luke chapter 23, okay, just write down Luke chapter 23, verses 50 and 51, and write down Matthew 27, verse 57. Okay, just write these things down. Don't, don't go to them because we, we need to move forward, but... Okay, Luke 23, 50, 51, Matthew 27, verse 57, and John 19, verse 38. Okay, they're going to they're, they're gonna say from the way they tell the story that this man, Joseph, was a righteous man. Okay, a righteous, a good and righteous man. And, who, and they, they're, they're also going to say that he had become a disciple, a follower, a learner of Jesus. When did that happen? We, we don't know. We don't know. But, but one of those authors also say that, that Joseph was, um, was a disciple of Jesus, but in secret because he feared the Jews. So I think, I think he, he, you know, he's, oh, he's always been part of the, the, the Sanhedrin, the council, doing wicked and evil things, but then he gets saved. And then in the beginning of his Christian life, he was fearful to really tell them that, hey, Guys, I just got saved. I actually don't agree with what you guys do, and, and I want out. Maybe that's how it was in the beginning. That's why, that's why John 19, 38 says that, that he was a secret disciple for a little while. But now, now he's like, man, I need to gather up all the courage to do the right thing despite the opposition from, from the Sanhedrin and from Pilate. That's why I believe he becomes the main character that's why I believe that the lesson is from what Joseph is doing here. Okay, Grace, does that make sense a little bit? Yeah, yeah. So, so he's willing and, and uh, courageous to do the right thing, but he also knew that, that doing the right thing means opposition. Okay, you guys know that, right? To obey, if we're saying that Christian courage is to obey God, right, at all costs, you guys know that most of the times when you want to say the right thing, when you want to do the right thing, most of the time, it means opposition, right? People are going to hate you. People are not going to like you. People are going to stop. Are going to stop being your friends. You know that, right? But here, but here, he's probably thinking, okay, the rest of the members of the Sanhedrin are going to disown me. They're going to hate me. They're going to come after me. They're going to persecute me. They're probably going to even take my job away. 
but he says, I don't care. That's a very likely possible opposition if I do this right thing that God is calling me to do. Um, but that's not, that, that doesn't phase me. I don't care. I'm willing to do the right thing despite of the opposition. So Mark says, he gathered up enough courage, went to Pilate. I mean, think about that. Going to Pilate, embraced all the opposition from the Sanhedrin. They're probably asking, what are you going to do? Where are you going? To do what? Right? And then he asked for Jesus' body. Now look at Pilate's reaction. Look at verse 44. Pilate wondered if he, okay, Jesus, Pilate was wondering if Jesus was dead by this time. It's only been, you know, only been, he, he's only been on the cross for six hours. And, and, and a lot of the criminals they crucified back then would last for days. Okay? That's why if they needed to kill someone before sundown, they would break their, their legs so that they would die early. So Pilate's like, hold on, who, who's this guy? Oh, Joseph of Arimathea wants to speak to you. Okay, what does he want? He is asking for Jesus' body. Really? So, well, they didn't have watches back then, but it's, it's, uh, it's only been six hours. Is he already dead? Is Jesus already dead? Go check on him. So, so he asked the centurion okay, to, uh, to, to, uh, to check on Jesus if, if he's already dead. And the centurion is the same soldier who just got saved, okay, just a couple of verses ago. We looked at him last Sunday, right? He was, Jesus dies, he, he breathes his last, right? He, he gives up his, his soul, and the centurion saw that, and he said, truly, this was the what? The Son of God, right? So that same soldier, the centurion, is asked by Pilate to check if Jesus is truly is dead by now. And, and look at what they find out, verse 45. And ascertaining or finding out or observing this from the centurion, he, Pilate, granted the body to Joseph. Said, yep, he's dead. You know, we even pierced his side. You know, blood and, and, and water came out. He's dead. We didn't even have to break his leg. So he's dead. He's dead, Pilate. Okay, give him to Joseph. He's asking for him. Again, what's, what's the lesson? The lesson is this, doing what is right. Okay, students, listen to that. Doing what is right, not what you think is right, but what God thinks is right. Okay, despite the opposition. Even if your friends are going to hate you, even if, even if your coworkers are going to make fun of you, even if your parents are going to disown you, it does not matter. That is Christian courage. If you have that, then your faith is being proven. That's what Joseph is doing here. That's what Joseph's doing here. So here's the second action that proved faith in Jesus. Okay? So the first one is doing what is right despite the opposition. Here's the second one. Another fill in the blank. Sacrificing what is yours despite the cost. Okay? Sacrificing what is yours despite the cost. Look at what Joseph is going to do next. Okay, so he, he just asked for Jesus' body. Okay, he gathered up courage to do that. The thing that no one else wanted to do. And would probably, probably would have been an inconvenience to a lot of people because they only had two, th two hours left to do that. So he just did that. 
And Pilate just granted him the permission to do that, to, to, uh, to take down Jesus' body. Now look at verse 46. What is he going to do next with that body? Verse 46, Joseph bought a linen cloth, took him down, that's Jesus, wrapped him in the linen cloth, and laid him in a tomb which had been hewn out in the rock. And he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. So not only did Joseph have the courage to go to Pilate and ask for his, Jesus' body, but he also had the, had the courage to bury his body. Okay? And listen to how they buried dead bodies back then according to, to the Jewish uh, laws and traditions. Okay, just listen. I'll just read them to you. First, the body would be washed to get all the dirt and blood off. Secondly, it would, it would be massaged to loosen all the muscles that are stiff, especially if the person has been dead for a long time. Have you guys heard of rigor mortis? Right? The, the rigid, rigid body. You know, when you die, you stiffen up. Right? So imagine Jesus been like this for hours, taking him down. He probably stayed like that, so they probably had to work his muscles so that, so that they could do what they need to do with his body. Thirdly, it would, the, the body would be covered with spices to cover the stench. Okay. Fourthly, they would have to wrap it in linen cloth so it would look presentable. Then it would be placed in a tomb and sealed with a big rock. Okay, if you, if you turn your hand out over... I've, I've included a, a, a picture of what, what that would have looked like, okay? We, we buried the dead today uh, underground, but back then, that's how they did it. And then, number six, they would wait till the body decomposes months and months, probably years, until only the bones were left, okay? O until only the bones were left. Then they would collect all the bones, clean the tomb, so they could reuse it again for the next person in family who dies next. Because it was very expensive to have a tomb just to yourself and for your body to be buried there and kept there for, for life without being reused again. So the common practice was to collect all the bones once the body is all decomposed and only bones are left, and then they would clean the tomb and then get it ready for the next person who dies in that family to reuse it again. Now, Mark doesn't say this, but M Matthew does. Okay, in Matthew's story, he says that Joseph was a rich man, a very wealthy man. Okay, if his background is in the council, probably before he got saved, he, he probably made a lot of money, right? Being, being a religious leader, taking money from the Jews. So, so Matthew says that he's a very rich man, and Matthew also says that, that, he, um, that he put Jesus in his own tomb. That's very rare. For, for a person to work hard all his life to, to save up all this money, to buy a tomb so that he could be buried there once he dies and not be reused for anyone else. So it might, be, it might sound weird and foreign to you, but I want you guys to think about the main thing. The main thing is that he sacrificed what he worked for. Okay, he sacrificed what he worked for. He sacrificed what, what he thought was his he sacrificed what, what, he, what he viewed as, as his right because I worked hard for this. This is mine, right? 
The same thing that you feel in your heart when you have something, when you own something, or when you work for something. This is mine. I worked hard for this. I saved up for this. This is for me. And no one is going to use it. No one is going to reuse it. I am not going to share it. I have the right not to. So that's, that's the idea here. Okay, so, so Joseph of Arimathea, a rich man, is sacrificing his own personal tomb to Jesus Christ. Now, now look at who's stuck around watching Joseph bury Jesus. Okay, so again, he asked, he gather, gathered up courage, Christian courage, to do the right thing despite of the opposition. And Pilate says, yep, you can have his body. And then now he's sacrificing what, what is his. Okay, he's sacrificing what is what is his, despite the cost, what it's going to cost him. And he's doing all these, all these things, all this work in just, you know, a couple of hours to bury Jesus. Now, look at who's stuck around just watching Joseph do all this. Verse 47, and this is how the story ends. It started with the women. It ends with the women. Verse 47, Mary Magdalene, and Mary, the mother of Joseph, were looking on to see where he was laid. Now people say, well, yeah, they're looking to make sure where Jesus was laid because they're going to come back the next morning to, to, um, to, to visit him. Yes, I get that. But the word looking here is different than the other word of looking just to find out about something. And I'm going to touch on this next Sunday because next Sunday... Mark is going to continue the story. He's going to talk about the resurrection of Jesus, and the women are still just looking. The angel is going to tell them to do something, and because of not only lack of courage that Joseph had here, but because of their fear. And I'll talk about this next Sunday. Fear that compromises your faith. Okay? That's what the women ended up having at the end of the story. The angel said, hey, do this. And the women, because of fear, did not do what the angel told them to do. Okay? I'm not downing the women. Okay? You, you young ladies can be a disciple and should be a disciple of Jesus Christ, and you should minister to other people. You should help other people. But there's a lesson here. You need to be courageous like Joseph, and you need to do the right thing like Joseph did despite the opposition. And you need to sacrifice what's yours despite the cost. So that's the last verse. That's how it ends. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, they were there in the beginning, you know, for probably for two hours or so, just watched Joseph do what was right, sacrifice what was his. Let me ask you um, these questions, okay, regarding these women. While Jesus was still hanging on the cross in the beginning of the story, what were the women doing? In verse 40, verse, verse 40, what were they doing? Yeah, looking on from a distance. While Jesus was being buried in the end of the story, at the end of the story, what were the women doing? They were still looking from afar. Right? Right? What should they have done, guys? What should they have done? Yes. Yeah, they should have 
rolled up their sleeves, gathered up enough courage, and joined Joseph and did all of that. That's what they should have done. So what do you think these women lacked? Yes, courage, because that's what Joseph had. Okay? So, again, this is about Jesus' burial, but written by Mark, that's the lesson I believe that he wants to teach us, is Christian courage, to do the right thing despite, the, despite opposition that you guys are going to face and sacrificing what is yours despite how much it's going to cost you. Okay? So, turn over your, your handout. I, I've given you some questions to think about. Some questions to think about. Number one, what areas of your life do you lack Christian courage in and why? Okay, when we finish the Gospel of Mark next Sunday, if it's fear of man, you're going to learn from the women um, that, that, that that is going to affect your Christian courage. Second question, how is fear of man preventing you from obeying God's commands? How is fear of man preventing you from obeying God's commands? Think about that. Think about this third question. How is peer pressure affecting your desire in doing what is right? Okay? You guys are well taught. You guys have Christian families. You, are, you know the right things to do. But how is peer pressure affecting your desire to do those things? I mean, think about how many missed opportunities that you've had because of peer pressure or fear of man. These, these women are, are thinking about that for sure. Here's the last question. What has God given you that is hard for you to sacrifice for others? What has God given you? Yes, you might have worked for it. You might have saved up for it. You might have earned it, but it is not yours. You own how many things? Zero. Right? Everything that you have has been given or gifted or blessed to you by God. He just gives you things, your needs and your wants, so that you can, you can use those things for His glory. So what has God given you that is so hard for you to sacrifice for others? Joseph is like, he, need, he needs to be buried. He needs a tomb. Great, I have one. <laughs> Where am I going to be buried when I die? I'll figure that out later. I'm fine being buried anywhere, you know, wherever is fine with me. Yes, you have a question? Um, so think about those questions. Okay, listen, students. Saying, listen to me. Saying you're a Christian and doing what is right here at church, when you know people who, uh, when you know people won't like you and sacri uh, sacrificing what is yours for the sake of your friends, th those are easy. Okay, saying you're a Christian. Let me repeat that. Saying you're a Christian and doing what is right here at church, sacrificing what is yours for people who won't, you know, who won't disown you, who won't oppose you, you know, will keep liking you, who will keep, you know, saying saying nice things to you. That doesn't take much courage. That doesn't take much courage. You guys need to do that, but that doesn't take much courage. But saying you're a Christian, doing what is right, sacrificing what is yours, you know, at school, at work, with your unbelieving families, 
and you know that they are going to oppose you, make fun of you, ask you all kinds of questions to belittle you, and even maybe you know down the road say that, hey, you're no, you're, you can no longer attend the school, or maybe say, hey, we're firing you. That takes much courage. That takes much courage. So, so again, when you are courageous like Joseph was to do the right thing and to sacrifice what's yours, you are proving or displaying or showing that you have what in Jesus? Faith. Faith. Make sense? Any questions before, uh, before we close? Yeah. You forgot? It's okay. When you remember, you make sure you ask me. Okay. Any questions? Good. So make sure you come back next Sunday because that's the last sermon on Mark. Okay, number 56. We're going to look at Jesus' resurrection. And don't say, I already know that, you know, he, he rose from the dead. But there is a lesson. Okay, there is a lesson. And then make sure you guys register for camp today. Okay, if you can't, what are you guys going to do first thing in the morning? Call the office. If you need money, what are you going to do? Gather up enough courage to do the right thing, okay, and ask for scholarship, all right? So let me, let me close in prayer. Dear Lord, thank you for uh, this story about Jesus' burial, um, but most of all, the, the lesson that we just learned from Joseph. He, he gathered up courage to do the right thing, and he ended up being pleasing to you um, in s- despite of his background, a wicked and evil man um, being in the council of the Sanhedrin who hated you and, and killed you. That is our background also here, even though we have not done that physically, but our hearts are also evil and wicked. So thank you for the hope that if Joseph can be changed and be courageous and be faithful, uh, we can do that also by your, by your grace and by your help. I pray specifically for these, for these young men and women to be courageous with their faith. For those who are, don't have faith, I pray that this would be a lesson for them that they too can be saved. Father, thank you uh, for, for the Gospel of Mark. Uh, we, um, we look forward to uh, finishing it. It's a bittersweet, but we look forward to that, and we, we look forward to, to the last lesson that you are going to teach us from, from your word. Uh, bless the rest of our day. We look forward to hearing from Pastor John now, and we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.